Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, hello, wherever and whenever you are, and welcome to Stories of Your and Yours. My name is Sean Ennis, and today we'll be doing a couple of stories about, um, love? Well, you can decide for yourself in a bit. In the meantime, let's see what you have to say and kick things off with an iTunes review. Great Stories, Amazing Voice by P. Carrion Absolutely love the way you bring these stories to life. Your voice is a compliment to the stories and not a distraction. Thank you for doing a great job with my favorite author, Poe, and also introducing me to wonderful new authors. Totally enjoyed this week's show. I have read all of Splatter Saint's work, and you did an excellent job of matching the voice in my head when I read Awoke. Thanks so much for the review, and hopefully I said your name right. I don't know if that's uh, P. Carrion or PCA Ryan. Well, either way, thanks for leaving the review. I really appreciate it. And as of today, I've got one more episode to record, and I need one more iTunes review for that episode. So if you haven't left a review yet and you want to have it read here on the show, leave that review and you'll hear it right here next week. You can also get in touch with the show on social media, whether that's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at SYYpodcast. You can contact me through any of those methods or through SYYpodcast at gmail.com with requests or with your own original short story. I enjoy talking with everybody, so don't be shy. Now this week, I'll be bringing you the final episode of the season that features original stories by listeners. Specifically, there are two stories today. The first story is called The Tenth of May and it was submitted by an anonymous author. So, I don't really have much of an intro on that author, but I like the story, so you're going to hear it. The second story is called Stargazing, and it comes to us from Andrea Tribble of the Tiny Morbid Fantasies podcast. She's from the deep dark woods of New Jersey, and feels like she was raised on all things horror. Most, if not all, of her stories have an unexpected twist or a line to make you cringe. All stories featured on Tiny Morbid Fantasies are based on intrusive thoughts or morbid daydreams. Of course, you can hear that wherever you find your podcasts, and I'll have social media links for you in the show notes, but you can follow that show at Tiny Morbid on Twitter or at Tiny Morbid Fantasies on Instagram. So before we get into the story, let's hear from Andrea and Sophia from Tiny Morbid Fantasies. Hi, I'm Sophia. And I'm Andrea. Welcome to the Tiny Morbid Fantasies podcast. Tiny Morbid Fantasies are involuntary, subconscious thoughts that flash through your mind. Sometimes referred to as the call of the void, these intrusive thoughts can be disturbing or inappropriate. Thoughts like driving into oncoming traffic or jumping when you're standing near a ledge. You know you would never act on them, but for some reason, they cross your mind anyway. This podcast showcases our collection of short stories based on those thoughts. In addition to our stories, we would like to hear your Tiny Morbid Fantasies. Now, I am a listener of Tiny Morbid Fantasies, and if that sounds like something you might like, well, the show is aptly described, so I'd highly recommend subscribing. So, that is our quick intro for this week, and this is today's presentation. The Tenth of May It was the Tenth of May, 2016, and Dorothy McClellan was busy. Dorothy the Library Volunteer, Dorothy the Blood Bank Volunteer, Dorothy the Church Volunteer. At this moment, Dorothy McClellan was on her way to do her favorite volunteer work, volunteering to take her grandkids to the movies. 
Since her marriage of 35 years had ended five years ago, Dorothy, or Dot as most people called her, was still trying to get through her days without that desperate feeling of uncertainty and aloneness that would lay upon her chest. It had been difficult adjusting to divorce. In the beginning, panic would consume her when there was a needed household repair or a big decision such as trying to decide if she really did need a new car or if she could squeeze a few more years out of her 2001 Buick Regal. Her ex had moved on. Remarried three years ago, he and his much younger wife had even started a family. Their split had been amicable, but really, she often wondered what the heck he was thinking, having a baby at the age of 61. It didn't make her angry, but it did make her laugh. She was perfectly happy with the four wonderful adult children that had come during her marriage to Max. A perfect blend of two boys and two girls, and the grandchildren that came in numbers were the biggest joy in her life. The best part was Dorothy could dote on them while Max, her ex, could not. He now carried around an 18-month-old most of the time and would see his grandchildren when he thought one of their parents could babysit. Dorothy may have looked a little bit on the senior side. Others told her she looked much younger than her 62 years. But Max looked haggard. That made her laugh, too. She didn't want to be rude, but his choices, made to help him feel younger and rejuvenated, had backfired. Even with that, Dorothy envied him at times. Max had a family to come home to, while her nights, when not filled with league bowling or cards with her girlfriends, were too quiet, too alone, too lonely. The home that at one time seemed so small with growing children and activities now felt like an abandoned castle. At this moment in time, she was taking a lovely bunch of her grandkids to the newest Disney movie, Moana, and it was always fun doing that. They were crowded around her. Four boys and two girls and the other six younger grandkids were back at their respective homes throwing fits because they couldn't go with Mamam to the movies along with their brothers or sisters. She may have been brave taking six kids to the movie, but it would have been insane to take all twelve. As the kids were clamoring for goodies at the snack bar, asking what they could have and trying to decide between Sour Patch Kids or Sour Gummy Worms, she heard her phone ding with a text message. Dorothy ignored it. It was probably her girlfriend, Kathy. Kathy had taken it upon herself to make Dorothy happy since her divorce. Kathy annoyed her. For now, Dorothy and the grandkids went back into the dark escape of the theater to hear the songs and the story of Moana. It didn't bother her that the voice of Maui was the rock. Not at all. She had no problem looking at him or listening to him. I may be 62, but I'm not deaf, dumb, and blind, she thought to herself. Her phone dinged twice more with text messages, and she hurriedly shut it down without even peeking to see what Kathy had to say. Once the movie was over, everyone, stuffed with popcorn, candy, and soda, was jumping, running, yelling, hopping, and fighting their way to the car. Not her Regal, of course, but her son's van. Six kids in a Buick Regal? I, I think not. They were already singing You're Welcome, not the whole song, just You're Welcome, repeatedly, in response to any comment. Now was the time she appreciated her grandmotherliness. She knew her grandkids loved her. She loved them too, but she was glad she didn't have to deal with them as she dropped each at their respective homes, every one of them in their own gleeful sugar stupor. As she deposited the last two children at her son's house and climbed back into her battered Buick, Dorothy couldn't contain a little laugh as she considered each set of parents dealing with the children full of junk food. You're welcome, Dorothy thought. Dorothy came into her house. It was quiet as usual. It's like a tomb in here, she said out loud to herself. Let's see, what will it be tonight? Frozen chicken pot pie? Frozen pizza? Frozen meatballs with a canned sauce? Dorothy was a great cook, but cooking for one just bored her. Or, 
she thought. How about a fat peanut butter and jelly sandwich with bananas? Yes, that's it. Dorothy looked around the kitchen. Damn, no bananas. A fat peanut butter and jelly sandwich without bananas still sounded good. She started to sit down in front of the television, then remembered that her phone was still off and there were a couple of text messages she hadn't seen. Let's see what Kathy the Clown has for me today, she muttered. The minute her phone powered up, it started to ding. Ding, 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 ding. Good gravy, what the heck is going on? Did Kathy have an emergency? Uh-oh, she's going to kill me. Did I say I would pick her up and I for... She stopped mid-thought. The number texting to her phone was not familiar. Oh, maybe I got in the middle of a text war and my number was accidentally put in with angry fat fingers. That'd be fun. As she scrolled down to the first message and began to read, the blood drained from her face. Her feet became immovable, as if she had grown roots. Her heart sped up just slightly, and then getting a hold of herself, she shakily sat down. Number one. Hi, Dottie, this is Daniel Ammer. Do you remember me? Number two. I would understand if you didn't. It's been a very long time. Three. Dottie? Four. I hope I have the same Dottie Dowling I'm thinking of. Five. Of course, I understand your name is McClellan now. Six. I hope you are getting these texts. Seven. Okay, now I feel kind of silly. Eight. I apologize if this is a wrong number. If it is, you text me sometime if you want. Or not. Dorothy was shaking. Her cheeks now felt like they were on fire. She didn't realize her mouth hung open until a drop of drool plopped onto the phone. Without knowing how it got there, the fat peanut butter and jelly sandwich was on the floor. A fat mess. She stared at it, not comprehending. Dorothy shook her head, clearing her mind a bit, and then tried to stand up to go to the kitchen for something to clean up the PB&J. Her legs were a little weak and her stomach was turning over, but she quickly cleaned up her mess and again sat down. Daniel Ammer, she whispered under her breath. Her mind went back 45 years. She was a junior in high school, 17 years old. She had been driving for over a year. She worked part-time in her dad's garage, doing odds and ends, whatever he asked her to do. Everybody loved her dad, and he was a great mechanic. Almost everyone in town came to his garage to have their cars diagnosed, or just to sit and talk while dad worked his magic on whatever the problem might be. It was the 10th of May, 1971. Dorothy felt a jolt when she remembered the date. She looked at her phone, thinking it couldn't be, but it was. He had texted her on the exact date she first laid eyes on him 45 years ago. Oh, that is too weird, she said out loud. Glancing at the texts again, she said in a hushed voice, Remember you. Remember you. How could I ever forget you? You were the first man I ever loved. Daniel had come to the garage to have Dad listen to his car, a yellow 1968 Camaro with a black racing stripe and a V8 engine. It was a sexy car, but it was the tall, lanky, dark-haired Daniel that drew Dorothy's eye. She tried not to stare, but she couldn't take her eyes away. He is gorgeous, Dorothy thought. I have got to do something to make him notice me. Then, with the self-doubt of a teenager, she thought, He'll probably think I'm a kid. He'll probably think I'm ugly. He'll laugh at me. Dot, her dad yelled. Hello, did you not hear me? She goofily shook her head to the negative. Sorry, Dad. Uh, what, what do you need? Will you get Mr. Ammer here a drink? He looks a bit parched to me. Uh, of course. Uh, Mr. Ammer, is it? I, uh, I water. I have nigh now, she stammered. Immediately, she chided herself. 
What an idiot. That is not exactly what I wanted to notice. Ugh, she thought. She started again. I mean, there's water or cold soap poppy. I, I mean, soda. Dorothy could feel her face turning red. Good grief. I mean, water or soda. What would you like? Daniel looked at her with a smile that almost made her faint. It's Daniel, he chuckled. Just call me Daniel, and water is fine. Are you okay? He said with a glimmer in his eye. Uh, of course. I'll get you that drink right now. In her head, she was saying, I don't think I will ever be okay again. Yikes. The car only needed a minor fix. Daniel walked into the office where Dorothy had taken refuge after her embarrassing encounter. Can I pay you? He smiled, showing his perfect teeth. His beautiful eyes locked on to hers. He leaned in a bit and took his wallet from his pocket. Is there anything not perfect about this guy? Dorothy wondered as she looked back at him. No, she mused. He was perfect, she whispered out loud. What was that? Daniel questioned. Um, uh, uh, perfect, she said again. You can pay me here, that's perfect. Daniel laid his hand on the desk. You know, I just moved here last week, been looking for job prospects. I could use someone to show me around town. You think you could spare some time for me? Dorothy could feel her face go flaming red hot. Her heart beat so hard she thought the sound echoed throughout the office. Her mouth was dry. She cleared her throat, fearing she would sound like a frog if she didn't. I, uh, I, uh, she screamed in her head. Talk, Dorothy. I, I, I would love to, she finally said. Really, I would. I, I get out of school at two o'clock, but I'll be out for the summer in three weeks. Oh, a college girl, huh? Daniel smiled again. No, I, uh, I'll be a senior next year. I am still in high school. Her voice trailed off. Well, that's my first and last chance with him, she told herself. Sorry, you look older, he leaned forward and whispered. And you are the prettiest thing I've seen in this town since I got here. Dorothy glanced at the floor. She just knew she was melting into a pool of goo. The offer still stands if you want, he said. Dorothy replied, oh, I, I want. She felt her face go red again. That was the beginning of the summer of Daniel and Dorothy. It was the end of August, just a little over three months since she had first met Daniel. Her parents had no idea how much time they had spent together. She really didn't want them to know. And when she did mention something about him, she would add, He's got a girlfriend. I'm just hanging out with them and a few other friends. Her mother once questioned her, Why would someone 22 years old want to hang out with 17-year-olds? I don't know. We're just friends, was her lame answer. Dorothy hated that she was deceiving her parents. She was usually very honest and had a good relationship with them both. It was probably the reason they didn't give her the third degree about hanging out with him in the first place. She justified her less-than-honest disclosures because this, this feeling, this wonderful whatever, was so different. It was her own personal, wonderful secret. She was hopelessly over the moon, crazy in love. However, the reveal to her parents did not go well. Her father was angry. He is six years older than you, Dorothy. I forbid it. There is no way. Her mother was angry. If you think we will stand by and let you ruin your life, you can forget it. I love him, Dorothy shouted, and he loves me. You are 17 years old. You don't know what love is her father said, pounding every word separately in a voice that was almost a hiss. 
I should have him arrested. You are a minor. Dorothy ran from the room in tears. How can they say that to me? They don't get it. They just don't get it. I do know what love is, and I love Daniel. Banned from ever laying eyes on Daniel again, Dorothy was inconsolable. School was starting that next week. With true teenage angst, Dorothy thought her life would end before that day came. It was on that first day of school the next week that Daniel came to Dorothy's parents and honestly told them that he loved their daughter. He would wait. He would not hurt her. But this only served as an opportunity for a complete explosion of the parent bomb. Dorothy's dad ordered Daniel out of the house, and when Dorothy came home from school that day, she walked into her home with two livid parents waiting for her. As she cried in her room, her mother softly came in and sat beside her. I know this is hard, honey, but we're only trying to do what's best. I hate you both. Leave me alone, she sobbed. The next day, Dorothy skipped school and went directly to Daniel's. I can't be without you, Daniel. I love you, Dorothy said, holding back the tears. I just can't bear the thought of losing you. It will be all right. We can wait. You have, what, nine months of school left? You'll be eighteen in April. They can't do anything about it then. We just need to hold on a little longer. She was in huge trouble again when she came home. Her father struggled for control as he spoke to her in the angriest voice she could ever remember. I will lock you up if I have to, Dorothy. Stay away from Daniel or I will have him arrested. Dorothy felt as if she had been kicked in the gut. I've got to hold on until I turn 18, she thought to herself. Three weeks later, the phone rang. Dorothy? Her mom called, sounding a bit reticent. Um, it's for you. It's Daniel. You're letting me talk to him? Just, here, take the phone. Her mom looked away, but Dorothy didn't notice anything. She eagerly grabbed the phone. Daniel, oh, Daniel, I've missed you so... He interrupted her. Dorothy, he began. Dottie. He was the only one that called her Dottie. Let me say what I have to say, please. Dorothy's whole body tensed. This did not sound good. Daniel choked out the next words. Dottie, I'm going away. The next words rushed out in a flood. It's been impossible finding a good job. I had to do something. I, I joined the service. I'm leaving for basic training this week. The floor fell away from under Dorothy's feet. There was ringing in her ears, and it was difficult to speak. What, what are you talking about? What do you mean you're moving away? What, Daniel, what? I'm sorry, Dottie. I promise I'll be back for you as soon as you are out of school. I promise. I'll write to you, and I'll call when I can. Goodbye, Dorothy. I love you. The line went dead. This was the day and age of no cell phones, no text messages, no internet, no Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat. She wrote letters. He wrote letters. Six months went by. She called him from a phone booth, clicking quarters into the slot to keep the line alive. Do you still love me? Tears rolled down her cheeks. I still love you. I always will. He said softly. However, without instant communication, without the ability to see each other or talk every day, the months passed, and Dorothy was left with letters unanswered and telephones that had been disconnected. She didn't know where he was, and she didn't know what he was doing. She kept the faint hope alive that he would come for her once she had graduated. It didn't happen. Dorothy buried the greatest heartache of her life and moved on. She married Max in 1976. The rest was history. Dorothy came out of her memories and looked around her den. She looked at the texts again, savoring every word. 
In a voice she almost didn't recognize, she whispered, Is it really you, Daniel? Am I being catfished? What is this? Dorothy didn't know how to feel. Am I angry? Am I happy? What is going on here? A rush she hadn't felt for years came over her. The tears began to creep down her face. She was giddy. She was enthralled. She laughed. <laughs> she felt like that 17-year-old girl in her dad's garage. Do I remember you? Of course I do. The words echoed around her. What do I do? Do I answer? What do I do? What do I do? The text was simple. Hello, Daniel. It's been a long time. Dorothy jumped when the ding signaling a text message came almost immediately. And all at once, it became the summer of Daniel and Dorothy all over again. From that day forward, it was non-stop. Looking at her phone bill that first month, she was astonished to see that over 6,000 texts had been exchanged between them in less than 10 days. Hallelujah for unlimited text messages, she thought to herself. Dorothy had tried to call Daniel many times between May and August. She always got the sorry-I-can't-talk-right-down message. She had questioned him. What's the deal with your phone, Daniel? Every time I try to call you, you're not available. Even when we're texting, I call and I get the same message. Dorothy, I find this to be the greatest thing on earth. You make me feel like a young man. I don't want to spoil the effect by letting you hear my old voice. That's ridiculous. I'm old, too. In my head, you're the same as you were in 1971. Daniel could not contain his laughter. Oh, Dottie, I love you so. Dorothy looked at those words for five minutes in stunned silence. Daniel, I never stopped loving you. Me too, he replied. That was it. Dorothy begged him to call her. Please, please let me hear your voice, Daniel. I don't want to spoil everything, Dottie. You can't spoil everything, Daniel. I mean, I'm wrinkled and chunky. I'm a grandmother for Pete's sake. He felt the same about pictures. He refused to reveal his face in fear that Dorothy would be repelled or would stop texting him. Believe me, that is not going to happen. We still have feelings for each other, Daniel. How much longer do we have left to enjoy love in our life? Still he refused, time after time. Dorothy hatched a plan. I know where you live, Daniel. I know where you live. The thoughts were bouncing around in her head. San Diego. He had retired there. Dorothy lived in Philadelphia, ten miles from the Philadelphia International Airport. Dorothy struggled as she tried to put the right words together in the text. Finally, she just said what was in her heart. The texts flew back and forth. I have to see you. I need to see you. No judgment from me, I promise. I'm coming out there this weekend. Dottie, please, no, don't come, please. What is with you? Now his refusals and attempts to keep her away just annoyed her. Please, Dottie, you'll ruin everything. Did you turn into some kind of ogre? Were you in a fire? Do you have leprosy and your nose fell off? What, Daniel? What? It doesn't matter to me, really. Oh, no, no, you're still married, aren't you? You aren't divorced. You lied to me. No, Daniel replied. None of those things. Just trust me. You don't want to come here. Dorothy threw the phone down. She was angry and hurt. She didn't pick up that phone to text him for three weeks. She had to go to him. She couldn't resist. I'm flying out there to see him. I don't care what he says. I'm not going to tell him I'm coming. San Diego was wonderful. It was warm and beautiful. The harbor was beautiful and full of boats. The aircraft had come down right over the highway, and it seemed you could almost touch the cars. Dorothy checked into the embassy suites close to the convention center and walked up Fifth Avenue. So many places with yummy-looking food. She could walk to Petco Park from the gaslight section. 
Dorothy loved Philadelphia, the Eagles, and the Phillies, but she could get used to this place. I'll go tomorrow, she told herself, bracing for whatever it was Daniel was trying to hide. He'll see that I was right. In the morning, she texted him. It was the first time in three and a half weeks. I'm in San Diego. I'm coming to see you whether you like it or not. No answer. Come on, Daniel, it'll be great. No answer. She had the hotel call a cab. Dorothy set her jaw and gave the cabbie the address. I'm doing this, she whispered fiercely. The young woman that answered the door was very attractive. Dorothy didn't know what to think. I know he has a daughter. This must be her. Surely he... May I help you? The woman said, interrupting her thoughts. Dorothy began hesitantly. I'm looking for Daniel Ammer. I'm an old friend. I'm Dorothy McClellan. Is Daniel here? The grass where Dorothy sat was green and soft. It was a beautiful day. She and Daniel had had another summer like the one of 1971. From the 10th of May 2016 until the day she arrived in San Diego on August 25th, it had been a whirlwind of emotion. Now she was calm. She was happy. She didn't understand why or how all of this had happened, but it made no difference. I will always believe you never stopped loving me, Daniel, just as I never stopped loving you. She looked up and gently ran her hand over the smooth etchings on the granite. She read the words again. Daniel L. Ammer, born 21st of June, 1949, died 10th of May, 2016. Now one more note before the second story this week. Remember, this month I'm running a promotion for new patrons who sign up over at patreon.com slash syypodcast. Every new patron who signs up at any level gets all of the merch I have. That's laptop stickers, magnets, and bookmarks. And with the season ending soon, you'll get the bonus episodes between seasons. And if we get to 15 patrons before the end of this season, I will do an exclusive live video stream reading for patrons. Now, by the time this episode airs, live stream for The Cure will have already taken place, and hopefully it will have gone well enough that you'll want to see another live reading. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. For now, let's get back to this week's second story. Stargazing by Andrea Tribble My husband and I love watching the stars. We have our favorite little secluded spot with zero light pollution. I think it used to be some kind of campground. It closed a little while back and has been long forgotten. So we always have the place to ourselves. There's this perfect circle where the canopy of the trees frame the sky. Also at the center, a ring of logs that used to surround a campfire. So my husband lays out a blanket, opens up some wine, and we lean against the logs as we gaze. He usually ends up drinking alone since I'm just here to watch the stars. We'd also play this game where we would make up constellations, each with its own unique story. It was our weekly ritual. Sometimes we'd even be sitting in silence and forgetting the world beyond the trees existed. But lately I've been stargazing more and more on my own. I guess my husband has gotten busy. He's always been a hard worker, though. Plus, all the different deadlines he has to meet. It's been two weeks since he last visited our spot. Here I am alone again. 
I can't help but wonder if it's something I did, you know? Maybe it's the smell. I am decomposing. But it's only natural. I can't help it. Wait, I think I hear someone coming. Oh, I knew he wouldn't forget about me. And look, he brought me a friend. It's been a month now since she and I have been together. Stargazing is better than it ever was. She describes the stars to me in great detail since my eyes have long rotted from my skull. And I don't even mind her smell. It's only natural. I haven't done love stories very often here on the show, but if you thought you were getting a nice little love story from the co-host of a show called Tiny Morbid Fantasies, well, I'm not sure what to tell you. One more note from the author about stargazing. This story came from her first experience with floating in a sensory deprivation tank. The tank she was in had the option of total darkness or soft lights. She turned on the lights and they were shaped like stars. All she could think of was this woman, lying, waiting, and watching the stars. Now that is quite an inspiration, and she took it in quite an unexpected direction. Thanks very much to this week's authors, both our anonymous friend and Andrea from Tiny Morbid Fantasies. I do have a few original stories currently under consideration for Season 3, but there is plenty of time to get your submission to me in time to be featured on the show. And in particular, I'm looking for horror stories. Season 3 will encompass the month of October, and that means I'll be doing scary stories all month. So if you can bring the creepy... Hit me up. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Stories of Your and Yours, and if you did, I would love it if you spread the word and leave an iTunes review for me to read on the show. If you've got a story to submit, or if you have a request for a short story, send that in to syypodcast at gmail.com, or hit me up via the aforementioned social media handles. For a full list of music and sound effect credits, please visit syypodcast.libsyn.com slash blog. Next week, it's the season finale of Stories of Your and Yours. I'll be doing a bit of a wrap-up on the season, along with some state-of-the-show type things, and of course, what you're all here for, the stories. Until then, this has been Stories of Your and Yours. I've been Sean Ennis. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.